Um, hey, I, I feel like I, I got to tell you this. I, I was listening uh, backstage to Mitchell and, um, you know, he, he talked about singing to his daughters at night. Um, you you got to know a couple of things about Mitchell. He, he is so genuine. Like he's for real. He's the best dad and best husband that I, I, I might know. And I, I sat there listening to him thinking, I stink as a father. That, that was, <laughs> so thanks for that, Mitchell. And, um, and also I sing to my kids all the time and they just tell me to shut up. Like... <laughs> Like he wants to invite Jason over. I just want Mitchell to come over. So anyway, way to go. Um, no, I was kidding. I love that guy. You, you, he's so genuine. He's, he's the real deal. So, um, hey, a couple of things before we, oh yeah, sorry. Mitchell, clap, clapping for you. All right, don't let it go to your head. Okay. Um, hey, uh, a couple of things before we start. One, right after the service, we've done this for the whole series and it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I think it's been fun for me. I, I don't know if it's been fun for everybody else, but um, we've been getting on Facebook live and kind of interacting with people uh, who are watching online. And for those of you who are in the room and you get in your car and uh, don't do it if you're driving, but if you're in a passenger seat or something else, um, it's been so fun having people jump online to our Facebook live, uh, our, our Woodstock City Facebook page and, and kind of join our Facebook live session. So today, Alicia Dix, Alicia is the director of all women's groups here at Woodstock City. She's going to be with me and, and we're just going to talk about the series and talk about the message today. And so if you have questions about what you hear today, or if you have questions about the series, man, just, just jump online. Uh, and, and if you don't have a chance to do that, you can always go later in the week. Um, it gets posted when we're finished. And so you can kind of watch the session. Odds are whatever question you have, someone else has too, and they probably asked it. So um, we'd love for you to do that. Now that that's one. Also next week, um, I mentioned it last week, but as a reminder, next week, we are going to, kind of attack a big topic. Um, There's a lot of stuff going around in our country right now, a lot of arguments, a lot of conversations, a lot of disagreements. And so we were talking about that kind of in our leadership team with Andy and we were all chatting about it and we thought that we should address it kind of as a church. And and we thought Andy should address it uh, as a church, not us, me personally. So um, so Andy agreed. We, we twisted his arm into it and, and he's excited about it. So next week, we have a very special message from Andy. Okay. It's right now the title, as it may change, the, the working title is the not so United States of America, the not so United States of America. So you're going to want to be here next week. Now, for those of you online, especially watching today, you need to know this. We are not going to broadcast next week's message online. It is only going to be available if you're in one of our six Atlanta area churches. You got to be in the room to hear the message, okay? So, um, and there's a lot of reasons we're not broadcasting it online, mostly because people are always trolling for us and we don't want to give them more fodder for that. So you got to be in the room if you want to hear the message. It'll be worth your time. Rearrange your schedule. You're going to want to be at one of our churches to hear that message next week. Okay. Hey, I am so glad that you're here. Uh, as we conclude our series, Fully Alive, week three this week, um, we've really built this entire series around one statement that Jesus made. Jesus made some of the most just incredible statements, uh, mostly, I mean, because he's Jesus, okay? So everything he said was so rich and, and deep, and, and there's just so much to learn from it. And, and we've actually spent three weeks now just unpacking one single statement that Jesus made. And, and this one statement is not just kind of something that we can learn from. It's something that all of us, if we had the choice, if it was available, that we would love to see implemented or, or lived out in our life. And so we're going to kind of wrap up the conversation today, but let me remind you of that big statement and, and what we're trying to, to figure out. Here's what Jesus said. It says in John uh, chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's kind of the, the big statement. And so in week one, we kind of reverse engineered this thing. And we started with the back part of the statement. The second part that I have come, Jesus saying, I have come. So that they, meaning you, me, people in general, that they may have life and, and have it to the full. Not, not just experience life, but experience a fullness of life. To, to live a, a life that maybe we would characterize as, as fully alive. Just incredible goodness. Like everything that we want out of life, given to us in life, no matter what's happening, just experiencing fully alive. And that statement actually comes on the heels of kind of a somewhat kind of confusing illustration about sheep and sheep pens and shepherds. And in week one, we kind of tore that whole thing apart. But here's what we discovered is kind of the core kind of component to that teaching is that if you want to experience fully alive, there is a path to get there. The, the kind of good news, bad news is there's just one path to get there. Now, the good news part is the one path is available for every one of us, and it's pretty easy to walk through it. It's been made available to everyone, no matter what your background is, no matter what your past has looked like, no matter what you did at that spring break in Panama City, it doesn't matter. Like, it's available for everybody. And here's what we kind of learned in week one is that Jesus is the gate to all of God's goodness. So when you think about the kind of that fully alive experience, the goodness of God is what that looks like. And Jesus really is the gate that leads to all of that goodness, to the, to the fullness of the goodness of God. Now, when you think about the, the goodness of God, I don't know what comes to mind for you. Um, odds are it's probably something good. Like when you think about the goodness of God, you don't think of lightning or some kind of you know, cosmic cop. You probably think of things that are good in your life, gifts, things like peace or, or comfort or care. And that really is a lot of it. But we don't have to imagine what the goodness of God looks like because a guy named Paul, who was a Christian mercenary who became a Christian missionary after he had an interaction with Jesus himself, he gives us a list of the goodness of God. He calls it the fruit of the spirit. But this idea, this goodness of God, this fruit is what he hopes is evident in our life all the time. Let me show you the list as a reminder. But the fruit of the spirit, the goodness of God, kind of living fully alive, here's what it looks like. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's an incredible list of stuff. I mean, in fact, we could just pick one of those things out and put it into our life and odds are our life would improve dramatically. Okay, in fact, do me a favor. Just look at this list for a second. Pick one of them out. Like, what's your favorite fruit? Like, like not apples, like up here, okay? What's your favorite fruit? What's your favorite one? Okay, has everybody got your favorite? Like, if you could just choose one, you would choose it? Okay, you ready? Just quick participation, okay? How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you would choose peace? Like, be proud, because you're not peaceful right now. Okay, be proud. Okay, all right. How, how, how many of you would choose uh, patience? Yeah, these are all the parents of teenagers. That's fantastic. Okay, H- how many of you would choose self-control? <laughs> yeah, because of all the queso. I totally get it, okay? Yeah, self-control is difficult. Now, here's the kicker. Listen, this, here's the kicker. When, when Paul wrote this list, when God kind of put this list together, the, the thought wasn't, well, you can have one of these from time to time. That wasn't the goal. God's idea for your life is that you'll experience all of these things all the time. You don't just have to have peace occasionally and then joy from time to time. I mean, the the, the heart behind it is that you get to experience all of these all the time. That's the fruit of the spirit. It's the goodness of God. And it's fully available to every single one of us as we walk through that gate. Now, there's a flip side to that too. And we looked at the flip side last week because the beginning of the statement, Jesus talks about the thief 
Because there is something working in opposition to the goodness of God. There's something working kind of against us experiencing life fully alive. And he says it's the thief. And the thief comes to steal that opportunity from us, to rob us from all things good, to, to kill our chances of experiencing fully alive, and to destroy the opportunity. That's what the thief does. And so last week we, we talked about what is this thief and when we think about what robs us from being fully alive, we all, we all immediately have answers to that question. It's like, I know exactly what robs me of fully alive. I know what robs me of peace and patience and kindness. I mean, I, I'm dating it and I'm trying to break up with it. Like I know what the thief is. Like the thief, yeah, I know what the thief, I'm married to it. Like the thief, yeah, I, I birthed it and I'm raising it. And it is robbing, like sucking the life out of me. Like it's robbing everything joy, joys in my life. Like I know what the thief is. I mean, I, I commute to it. I, I work at it. I drive in it. I mean, I, I know what the thief is. And those are good answers. Those are really good answers. But, but those answers are kind of symptomatic answers of a deeper virus, of a, of a deeper problem. And here's what we discovered last week is that the thief, the thief is really our unbelief. Now, it took me 34 or so minutes to unpack that, so I can't do it right now, but, but you should watch last week. That, that's an important thought because when we begin to, to, to desire to discover fully alive, our unbelief is the thing that is working against us. It's robbing us from the opportunity and our unbelief will absolutely kill and steal and destroy our chance to live fully alive. Now, of course, if, if we were given the chance to live fully alive though, and we could discover it, discovering it would be great, but, but, but kind of living fully alive part-time is better than no time. But if we could live fully alive full-time, my, my assumption is we would choose that. Like if, if we could experience fully alive all the time, no matter what, I think that's what we would desire. In fact, we could say it this way, that, that we'd prefer to experience fully alive full-time. But that's a little bit easier said than done. It's easier to, to, to desire, it's easier to say, it's easier to assume that maybe it's possible. But how do we do that? It's really difficult in the world that we live in because in our world, there is just nothing consistent about our world and there's nothing consistent about our lives. In fact, I mean, we could say that we'd prefer to experience fully alive full time, but, but our experiences just keep changing all the time. And it's these changing experiences that make discovering fully alive and remaining fully alive so difficult. It's our changing circumstances that make fully alive kind of a part-time experience for us because everything is always changing. Our circumstances are always changing. Our, our situations are always changing. I, I gave a, a silly example but a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago now, um, we, we have a, a minivan, okay? And I'm not proud of that, but I'm trying to own it. So we have a minivan <laughs> and, and, and it's 10 years old and it's sad, and it's depressed. And, and, and so we took it to the shop and it needed a new timing belt and like 43 other things. And so I dropped it off at the shop and, and the guy who works there, he's a super cool guy, nice guy. And he says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to give you a loaner car because I know you're kind of this partially dead, you know, van driving kind of doofus. And so I want to help you out. And, and, and so he says, I'm going to give you a loaner car. You don't have to rent a car. And I was like, Oh man, what a win. I don't have to rent a car. Cause you know, the rental car always smells delicious. And so this is awesome. And so he comes around a few minutes later and he gives me a key and I look at the key and I mean, I almost started crying. It, it said Jeep Wrangler on the key. And I thought, seriously, like I don't have to drive a Plymouth Sundance. Like I get to 
as the, as the loaner car, get like a real car? He goes, yeah. He goes, I can give you a Jeep Wrangler. We go outside. No kidding. We go outside. It is brand new. Like they're taking the shrink wrap off of the Jeep. He opens the door as they're taking the stickers off, the for sale stickers off. The, the steering wheel is shrink wrapped. Okay. It's like brand new. I crank it up. It's 23 miles on it. 23 miles. And I thought, I'm going to go mudding. And I'm just kidding. I thought, <laughs> it was just incredible. Like this brand new Jeep. I drove off of the shop, the lot of the shop. I drove off and I immediately, I'm talking like just immediately, I went from being a partially dead loser minivan driver to a fully alive, two finger waving, like cool, better looking. I was like six foot four, like Everything about my life got better, like immediately. Now, if we could have just froze automobile time right there, like if we could have stopped it, if, if, if nothing else could have evolved, if nothing could have changed, I would still be driving that Jeep. And I would still be like two finger waving all you Jeep people. And it would be a poser, but I don't care. Like, cause I was gonna own it. And I did for a week, but life never, life never stays constant. I mean, and even as silly as this is, a week later, guess what happened? I got the phone call. Your van's ready. And I was like, no habla inglés, you know? <laughs> so I went back up, you know? And you better believe, man, when I was driving back in that Jeep, I waved at everybody I could. Like, hey, I'm in the Jeep. Has everybody noticed that? And then I get there and I had to trade the Jeep in. And I went back to, I don't know, being a loser. I don't know. So, and I know that's silly. I know that's silly. And our life should never be built on materials and our fully aliveness is not gonna be built on you know, the fact we have a Jeep or a minivan. I mean, it helps, but it's not the whole thing. <laughs> but you get the point, you get the point. Like if we could hold things constant, it would be so much easier to discover fully alive. Like, like if we could just stop the evolution of life, if we could hold all things constant, even the bad things, if we could hold it constant, at least we could figure out a path to peace in the bad stuff too. The problem is as soon as we discover peace in a bad thing, something bad else happens. As soon as we discover joy in one moment, another situation robs our joy because our life is constantly changing. It's ever evolving. In fact, for those of us that are, that are Jesus followers, we would say that the fruit of the spirit starts feeling a lot more like the fruit of our circumstances. Like, like we feel peace when things are peaceful, but not all the time. Like we experience joy from time to time, but, but not all the time. I mean, we're patient every once in a while. I mean, there are moments where we don't react. We, we respond with gentleness and, and kindness, but they seem to be a little fleeting and, and far between because our lives keep changing. We, we experienced self-control, you know, that one time at the buffet, but, but then we went back and they had a chocolate fountain and it was like, ah, so you get the point. It's just hard. It's so difficult to maintain the fruit of the spirit. It's so difficult to maintain that season of fruit because the season is always changing. I want to figure out today together, I want us to figure out how we can do that. Because discovering the fruit is great, but maintaining it, that's really the key. Like, like how can we make sure that the fruit of the Spirit is always available? Or, or maybe we could ask the question this way, right? How, how can we ensure that the fruit of the Spirit is always in season? Like, no matter what the season, the good, the bad, the ugly, it doesn't matter. How can we make sure that the fruit of the Spirit is always available, is always there to be experienced? Now, that's a really deeply spiritual question. Now, hopefully you know this, everything in life though has a spiritual context. Everything is spiritual to some extent. And this question is deeply spiritual, which makes me think we should probably ask the most spiritual person on the planet 
how to answer this question. So we're going to look at something that Jesus said, because again, I mean, he's, he's God in a bod. I mean, he's super spiritual. Okay. He's, he's fully man, but he's fully God. And he has the answer to this. In fact, later in the book of John, I mentioned John was one of those disciples who followed Jesus around for his entire ministry. Um, later in the book of John, John chapter 15, John records kind of a story that happened between Jesus and just the disciples. Let me, let me give you some really quick context because it makes the story even more impactful or, or more, more rich for us. Um, Jesus was incredible. He, he could predict the future, including his own future. We say this jokingly all the time, but if anybody can predict their own death and their resurrection and pull it off, you gotta take that guy seriously. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And so he was, he was predicting his own you know, death, predicting his own crucifixion, and he knew it was going to happen. In fact, the story we're going to read about was just two or so days before the crucifixion. And he's looking at this kind of ragtag group of guys, and he knows that eventually he's going to be gone, not, not dead, because, I mean, spoiler alert, three days later, he, he comes back to life, and it's awesome, okay? But, but after a few weeks, he's going to go back to heaven, and he's not physically going to be with these guys anymore, but he's going to be with them if they want to be with him, but he knows that they don't know how, and he knows that that's going to be difficult for them to understand, and they're just going to be really confused by that, but there's a lot riding on the shoulders of these guys. They're going to be some of the principal kind of launchers of the first century church and and, and the movement, this new movement called the way, uh, eventually we call Christianity. I mean, they, they were going to be responsible for a lot of that, and so with that in mind, Jesus looks at him, and he says, I need to teach them something so that they'll understand how to remain fully alive, even when I'm not here. And so they look off into the distance and they probably had walked through vineyards on the way into Jerusalem. There's vineyards all lining the hills right outside of Jerusalem. I think Jesus points up to the vineyards and with that in mind, he kind of begins this this teaching. Here's what he said. This is in John chapter 15, if you want to follow along. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, Quick pause on this. This is for free. It has nothing to do with the message. But when Jesus said, I am the true vine, man, those guys all went, oh. you know, if you're like third grade, you went, like, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Because in the Old Testament, and these guys knew it as Israelites, as Hebrew men, they knew that in the Old Testament, um, Israel was called the vine. They were often referred to as the vine, God's chosen people. And so Jesus comes along and he goes, hey, I know how you think about the vine. Just, you need to know, I'm the true vine. That if you think you can get to God and get in God's kind of good graces just by being born into an Israel, if you think that it's all about being Hebrew, you got it wrong because things are changing. I'm the true vine. You don't get there by birth. You get there through belief. And it's all about to change. I'm the true vine. And, and my father, God, he's the gardener. Okay, here's what he says next. He cuts off, this is a little interesting. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, quick confession. I'm about to try to explain this to you, but I need to just confess up front. I am the world's worst gardener. And I cannot overemphasize how bad I am at this, okay? When I buy plants at the store, you can literally hear them crying on the way home. It is a death sentence. It's like capital punishment, okay? Like, I'm just telling you, if you drive by my house, I, we have landscapers who help keep our yard up to date. They can't even keep things alive. You know why? Because it belongs to me. I mean, if it's leafy or grassy or green or whatever, it just has no chance in my yard. I, I, it's a genetic thing. Our whole family is terrible at it. So um, I, I, I don't really know a lot about gardening, okay? I am not an expert on it. But I did ask some experts, okay? And I did some research and I asked the Google. It's always helpful. So... Here's what I found out. 
about gardening. Some of you are super good at this and, and you know this is gonna be true. A good gardener has to really pay attention to the plants, in this case, the vine. It has to care for it. In a way, it shows compassion to it. And here's why. Because everything around the vine is always changing. The circumstances are changing. The seasons are literally changing. There are times where there's too much water. There are droughts when there's not enough water. There are days when it's really sunny. There are days when there is no sun. All of those different conditions affect the growth of the plant. And if the plant is being affected by the conditions, and if the goal of the the plant is to eventually produce fruit or a bud or something else that they produce, I don't even know, I'm not a gardener, but if that's the goal, if that's the goal, the better a gardener is able to care for the plant in the midst of these changing circumstances, the better the plant will do, the more fruit it will produce. So here's what I learned. Maybe you know this. A gardener prunes a plant in multiple ways. It cuts off dead branches, For a good reason, the dead branch is suffocating the live branches. Dead branches can throw shade onto the positive, healthy branches. That's where that phrase came from, throwing shade. So I'm just kidding, it didn't, but it does that. Okay, it it, it casts shadows, keeps the sun from shining on the healthy branches, but it also suffocates what's healthy. So the dead branches have to be cut off. The dead branches only have one use and it's really firewood, that's it. But the live branches, and this is fascinating, at least to me as a non-gardener, the live branches have to be pruned or cut back too. Because if you let them get too long, it takes too much nutrition to grow the branch that could be used to grow the fruit or to bloom the flower. And you'll notice this, even with like a beautiful rose bush, you'll see people who know what they're doing cutting off those beautiful blooms. You know why? Because even the beautiful bloom is taking some of the nutrition away from the plant. And once it's bloomed fully, it doesn't need the nutrition anymore. Once the grapes are ripe, you need to take them off because it all comes down to nutrition. In fact, the entire thing comes down to nutrition. Now, I know I'm not a gardener, but trust me on this. This is what I have learned. And this is important for what we're about to find out. A plant produces more fruit when the nutrition is directed to fruit production. Okay. I know you don't hear this kind of stuff at church much, but pay attention. Okay. A plant produces the most fruit. If maximum fruit is the goal. Okay. A plant produces the most fruit when all the nutrition in the plant is directed towards fruit production. Now, these guys in the first century knew that. They all were involved in gardening activities. They understood how the vine and the branch and the grapes worked together. Okay, so with all that kind of knowledge in mind, here's what Jesus said, and it is so brilliant. He's so smart, okay? Here's what he says. We're gonna apply it to our life in just a minute. He says, remain in me, or maybe you've read it in a different translation. It says, abide in me or, or live in me. Okay, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, and what's this word? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This this is so incredible. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you're a vine, if you're looking at a vine and there's a branch attached to the vine, the, the branch can never look at the vine and say, yeah, I don't really need you. I'm good. Like I can grow grapes on my own. Thanks for the help. I got this. Like the branch can't do that. The minute the branch disconnects from the vine, it begins to die. It begins to wither. And the only thing you can do with the withering branch is burn it. There's nothing other, there's no other use for it. But, but if the vine and the branch can stay connected, the branch can get what it needs. Nutrition, 
And the branch can do what it was meant to do, produce fruit. This is so brilliant. And Jesus says, it's the same in our life because he's the true vine. He says that, that if I'm the true vine and you're the branch, there is a way for you to experience the goodness of God, the fruit of the spirit to live fully alive all the time. No matter what the circumstances bring, no matter what changes occur, there is a way to do that. But the only way to experience that is by remaining connected to me because you're a branch. And if you disconnect from me, the vine, you're on your own. And some of you are better than others, but none of us are good enough to experience the fruit of the spirit all on our own. We have to stay connected. You know, if Jesus were here today and he were teaching this to us, I mean, maybe he would use the vine and the branch, you know, in like Northern California or France or something. I think here, I think he'd use something different. In fact, I think he may even look at all these devices we carry around. And I think he'd write it about this. I mean, just for a minute, think about how powerful this is. I mean, some of you are old enough to remember this. I mean, it was maybe a generation ago, a few decades ago, that the power that exists in this little device, okay, probably to have that amount of power, we'd have to build something as big as this auditorium and it would cost as much as an auditorium. I mean, it's incredible. Like with this little device, we can communicate with people all over the world in like 14 different ways. I mean, you can text with them, you, you could email with them, you can call them. Not that any of you ever do that anymore, but you could. Like you could use this thing to call. Some of you didn't know that. Um, there's more you can do with this though. You can take pictures. Remember we used to have like Polaroid pictures. Do you know the quality of this thing? It's incredible. It's so powerful. It's so, maybe we could say fruitful. It does so much. You, you can tweet about your lunch today if you want to. Everybody wants to know what you're having for lunch. You can tweet about that. You can get on Facebook and you can brag about the trophies your kids are winning because, oh my gosh, if I don't hear that, you know, the world will come to an end. So thanks. So I'm kidding. That was super snarky, wasn't it? <laughs> you just feel it too. You just don't say it. So here's the thing. This is so powerful. This is so incredibly powerful. It is so fruitful, but it has one problem. If you keep it unplugged for long enough, what happens? It runs out. I mean, ask any teenager. I mean, it's incredible how fast the data uses the battery. And the manufacturers know that because when you get to 20%, it gives you a warning. It says, hey, low power, we're at 20%. And then we ignore it because we're playing Candy Crush. And then it gets to 10%. It gets to 10% and it gives you a really stern warning. You should choose low power mode. What happens if you don't ever plug it back in? It, it's worthless. It's kind of like a vine and a branch where the branch has been detached so here's what we know about our device. The only way for the device to stay fruitful is for it to stay connected. If we disconnect the phone from the charger, it loses its source of power. If we disconnect the phone from the power source, it really isn't that worthwhile for long. And our lives are the same way. Like, like we can disconnect from Jesus for a while. I mean, we can disconnect for a season, but not for long. Because the minute we disconnect, our battery starts draining. And the minute we disconnect, we start losing power. And the minute we disconnect, we get further and further away from the source. And the only way to experience kind of fully alive is to stay fully connected. I mean, really, that's kind of the, the way to remain. I mean, the way that we remain fruitful is by remaining connected. Because we remain fruitful by remaining connected. That's the secret to the whole thing. Because fully alive is fully available. And it's available in every circumstance and it's available in every single situation, but it's only fully available when we remain fully connected because life has a way of throwing curveballs at us. 
Life has a way of changing the circumstances. Life has a way of catching us off guard. And when we stay fully connected, we're prepared for it. We're positioned for it. And no matter what comes our way, we're able to experience peace. No, No matter what happens in our life, we're able to find gentleness and love and joy. But only when we remain fully connected. Now, I don't know, when you think about being fully connected, I don't know what comes to mind for you. Um, if you grew up like I did in the church, I mean, good grief, I, I've been in the church since I was negative nine months old. I mean, it's like I'm a church person, okay? So, so growing up in the church, when I would hear us talk about fully connected, it was like, uh, it sounded miserable because they would use this word spiritual discipline. You ever heard this spiritual discipline? It feels like some sort of spiritual Jesus spanking or something. It's just a terrible thing. Uh, spiritual disciplines always felt to me like chores and I hated chores. Like I hated making my bed. I hated taking the trash out. I hated cutting the rocks and the dirt that we had in our yard instead of grass as a kid. I mentioned that before, it's genetic. I mean, so I hated it. And spiritual disciplines felt like chores. It just felt like something I had to do. And even worse, it felt like I'm not a morning person. Spiritual disciplines somehow always started at 3.30 in the morning. Like you had to be up before the sun was up. Like the sun's still asleep, but you can't be. And then with spiritual disciplines, it felt like if I missed a day, like I'm taking my life in my own hands. Like if I miss one day of a spiritual discipline, like the whole thing may just fall apart. That, that's kind of how I felt about spiritual disciplines. But, but being connected to God is not that. Like being connected to God is nothing like that. God, God has never meant for being connected to him to be a problem. He, he never has meant it to be difficult. It, it may become more robust over time, but I can tell you, If you wanna be connected to God, there's just two things you can do daily consistently and they're so easy to do and it will keep you connected to the charger. It'll keep you connected to the vine. And here's the two things. It's just simply this, talk with him, talk with him and read about him. That's it. Talk with him and read about him. That's it. Talk talk with him is so easy. The, 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 The kind of church word for that is pray. And I know you hear the word pray and you automatically, oh, some of us shudder. I mean, I, I love this moment in community groups. Um, I, I you know, lead community groups and I love our community groups. And uh, every time at the end of our, of our, of our group meeting, we always kind of end with praying together. And, and so I'll always say the same thing. Hey, would anybody like to pray? And it's like the awkwardest 10 minutes of the night. It's like, everybody's looking at the ground and like, wait, I think my kid's calling me. I mean, everybody's <laughs> trying to get out of it because praying can be so intimidating, but But praying was never meant to be intimidating because there's no right or wrong way to do it. Like you can't fail at talking to God. You can't fail at prayer. And we we act like it's like a formula. We're trying to earn some sort of Six Sigma certification in prayer. I mean, it's not complicated. Talking to God is just like talking to anyone. Can, Can I tell you the easiest way to do it? Talking to God, if you just do these two things, it's just so simple. Here's the first one. Tell him thank you. And the second one, tell him what you're thinking about. That's it. That's what prayer is. Super complicated, right? You don't have to use, you don't have to use like all the ancient pronouns, thee and thou. I mean, just throw that trash out. Just tell him what you're thankful for and tell him what you're thinking about. And, and that's what prayer is. Because prayer is not about getting what you want from God. It's about connecting to your heavenly father. And when we tell him that we're thankful, it reminds us of who gave us what we have to be thankful for. And when we tell him what we're thinking about, it reminds us that we're dependent on him. What are you thankful for? What are you thinking about? That, that's prayer. That's talking to him. You should do that every single day. And here's the other thing. You should read about him. You should read about him. That's why we have the Bible. But the Bible is so intimidating. 
I mean, the Bible is like, you know, the size of two Harry Potter volumes. I mean, it's just, it's so intimidating. But let me, let me break that apart for a minute because it's not scary. The Bible should never be scary. The Bible is this. It's a collection of 66 ancient documents. That's all it is. It's full of stories and narratives and poems and songs and prophecy and the life and times of Jesus. I mean, it's, that's what the Bible is. The whole New Testament, for the most part, about two-thirds are just letters that a guy named Paul wrote to Christians like you and me in the first century who are in these brand new churches. That, that's all it is. And so reading the Bible shouldn't be scary and we shouldn't be intimidated by the you know, size of the book or the tiny print in it. Like, don't be afraid of it. In fact, if, if you're not a Bible person, let me give you a tip. And you, and you don't do this in any other book, but the Bible you do, because again, it's not a book. Don't start at the beginning, okay? The beginning is really cool. And then you're gonna get to the second book and you're gonna be, what? And so don't start in Genesis. Let me just tell you, if you've never read your Bible, start in John. Start in John. It's what we, we've talked about today. Start with John. Read the book of John. And you don't have to read the whole book in one sitting. Read like a chapter. Read a few verses. It's that easy. Once you finish with John, you can move to something else. Maybe Matthew or Mark or, or Luke. Or you can start reading what Paul wrote. And eventually, you may work your back to Genesis and read the Old Testament too. I mean, but the goal of reading about God is not to do it by Thursday. The goal of reading about God is just to do it a little bit every day. That's the goal. And here's the coolest part of all. Did you know that our devices here have made it even easier than ever? Did you know it's easier now than it's ever been to read about God? There's an app that all of us here at the church use. A lot of you may have it. It's called YouVersion. It's the YouVersion Bible app. It has built-in devotions in it. It has daily readings built into it. It makes it so easy. And here's the better part. You can make it have push notifications. And it will remind you to do it. And then you can also share it with your friends and your friends will remind you to do it. I mean, it's fantastic. Like it has never been easier to read about God. So the challenge, the challenge is to read about him every day. Talk with him a little bit every day and read about him. Read about him a little bit every day. To help you remember that, actually on your way out, we're, we're gonna give you this little cling. You can, um, you can put this on your car. You can put it maybe on your mirror, in your bathroom. You can put it anywhere you want. It maybe it can serve as a reminder and, and, and that's a good one. But let me give you an even better one. Um, how about every time you plug your phone in? Like what if every time we plugged our phone in, it was a reminder that we need to stay connected to the true vine, that we need to stay connected to the power source too? Like what if every time we plugged our phone in, we just said a little prayer, a little thank you. Thank you that I have a phone, right? Thank you that I have a family. Thank you for that I have friends. Thank you that I have a minivan that's 10 years old and super sad still, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for queso. There's so many things we can thank God for, right? Like what if every time we plugged our phone in, we just did that? And what if every time we plugged our phone in, it was a reminder that we should read about God a little bit? Just a verse, not overcomplicated, just read a little bit. That, that's really how simple, that's really how simple it can be. Now, let me, let me give you one quick word of warning, just one, one thing. There is something in our life that can derail our remaining connected to God, and it's our pride. Pride's a difficult word to swallow. It's hard to see it in the mirror. But pride is the thing that works against remaining. And, and here's why. Because in our pride, we can begin to think we're responsible for the results of our life. And when life is good, when it has good results, we can begin to think we're responsible for the good results. And guess what happens? We disconnect from God. I mean, even if you're not a Jesus follower, you pray to God at some point. I mean, you got that bad diagnosis. Your first thought was, well, I'm gonna pray. I don't even know if he's real, but just in case. I mean, so, so trying to, kind of seeking God when things are bad, we all do that. Seeking God when things are good, that's the secret. It positions us to be prepared for things that aren't gonna be good. 
And also in our pride, the gardener, God, may have to do some pruning. And pruning can be difficult. We talked a little bit about that last week. Pruning may mean we have to forgive somebody. Pruning may mean that we have to change the way we're living, change the way we're thinking, change the way we're loving. Pruning can be difficult. But on the other side of pruning, there's great, great, great fruit available. And it's our pride that makes us not want to kind of give in to God's pruning. But if we can resist that pride, if we can resist that temptation, we position ourselves to experience the goodness of God, full time, fully alive. Just imagine for a minute. Imagine what it would feel like to experience a peace that surpasses all understanding in every situation. Imagine having the kind of unconditional love coming out of you in a way that that you don't just love the people who are lovable, you're able to love everyone. Like imagine, imagine like your world where your joy is never robbed from you. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what she thinks. It doesn't matter what happens in your job. Nothing can rob your joy. Whew. Imagine having the kind of patience and self-control Imagine having all of the fruit of the Spirit fully available, full time. That's what God actually wants for us. It's what he wants for you. It's what he designed us to experience. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he gave us that big statement. I have come. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Fully alive is fully available. And fully alive can be a full-time experience in our life. If if we can remain connected. I'd love to pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for making fully alive an actual possibility in our life. That is insane that you love us that much. God, thank you that that you have allowed that kind of connection to never be about our behavior. It has always been about our belief. Thank you for leaning in our direction and even chasing us every single time we turn around. And God, you have never, ever expected us to turn around and beg for your forgiveness. You've just offered it unconditionally all the time. So God, I just, for however that lands in our heart today, I just pray that you give us the wisdom to kind of know what to do with that and to give us the the wisdom to know how to connect with you in our own ways, in our own style. You made us unique, which means that we have unique ways of connecting with you. God, help us to figure that out and then help us to swallow our pride and actually do it. Help us to do it when things are easy so that we're prepared when things are not. God, you have never promised that life would be easy, but you have always promised to give us grace in the moment for the moment. And I have to believe that remaining connected to you is a part of that secret. God, we love you. And Jesus, we just pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, one thing on the way out. Um, Don't forget, we have a starting point orientation. If you wanna learn more about those groups, we'd love for you to join us. Otherwise, though, we'll see you next week in the room to hear that special message from Andy. Thanks so much.